0: Now I invite you to rise in either body or spirit as we hear this evening's gospel lesson, which comes to us from the gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 1 through 17, continuing in 31b through 35. Before the festival of Passover, Jesus knew that his time had come to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them fully. Jesus and his disciples were sharing the evening meal. The devil had already provoked Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew the Father had given everything into his hands and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robes, Picking up a linen towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a wash basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he was wearing. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand what I'm doing now, but you will understand later. No, Peter said, you will never wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't have a place with me. Simon Peter said, Lord, not only my feet, but my hands and my head. Jesus responded, those who have bathed need only to have their feet washed because they are completely clean. You disciples are clean, but not every one of you. He knew who would betray him. That's why he said, not every one of you is clean. After he washed the disciples' feet, he put on his robes and returned to his place at the table. He said to them, Do you know what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you speak correctly because I am. If I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you too must wash each other's feet. I have given you an example. Just as I have done, you also must do. I assure you, servants aren't greater than their master, nor are those who sent greater than the one who sent them. Since you know these things, you will be happy if you do them. Jesus said, Now the human one has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify the human one in himself, and will glorify him immediately. Little children... I'm with you for a little while longer. You will look for me, but just as I told the Jewish leaders, I also tell you now, where I'm going, you can't come. I give you a new commandment, love each other. Just as I have loved you, so also you must love each other. That is how everyone will know that you are my disciples when you love each other. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. In recent days, I've been thinking a lot about the power of perspective. I think you might have sort of noticed people talking about perspective a little. It comes along sometimes when we see crises in the world. And when I see the atrocities of the things that are happening in, the, in Ukraine and, and the refugees in Poland as they are escaping the war in Ukraine, I, I think about the perspective that people apply to that. I thought of this too when the chaos erupted after the U.S. pulled out of Afghanistan. And I think we see this when natural disasters strike or when famine rears its ugly head. Sometimes you'll see people say, well, how can I worry about what's happening in my life because of what I see happening somewhere else in Ukraine or in Afghanistan or the hungry people or those folks that are suffering. And so it provides a little bit of perspective, that idea of the relative importance of things that are going on in our lives. That's not exactly the kind of perspective or the power of perspective that I've been thinking about. Because what happens there is that the only thing that happens is that the person who is making this statement is just trying to minimize or relativize their own worries. And so all they've done is told themselves not to worry. But I'm thinking more of a more powerful impact of perspective. Perspective it's a more personal and internal impact or effect. I think some of us have had an experience during the pandemic of this sort of perspective. If you think back to the early days of the pandemic when we were on lockdown and the things that we used to do to fill our days were no longer there. And those things that we did to make meaning in our lives were not the same. And so we had a perspective of what brings joy, what brings life, what is fulfillment. And we had to put those things back into our life. Or maybe you've had a more personal brush with death or a scare when maybe your child ran away and you didn't know where they were. Or your toddler was lost in the clothing at a department store and you feared the worst or you've had to suffer through a diagnosis that made you see your own humanity and the realization that you might not come out on the other side. These things serve as a sort of wake-up call for us. They give us that perspective of what is more important, and they give us a clarity, and we can choose to listen to it And make some changes in our lives. And you see today in the text that we are looking at. We are looking at someone who has clarity and perspective. You see Jesus is nearing his time on earth. He's he's come from the father and he is to, to return to the father. He knows that he is going to die. And here he is having supper with those who are closest to him. So what does he do in his last moments? He gets caught in the act of interrupting supper to wash feet. I mean, he knows what is coming next. It's not as if he's caught unawares that at the end of the supper, he knows that he will be arrested, tried and executed. And this is is what he chooses to do. He's had a lifetime to prepare for this moment and he's caught in the act of washing feet. It's not exactly an Instagram worthy moment, is it? It's an inglorious act to wash someone's feet. And in Jesus's time, it would have been expected for the host to provide water and a towel and a basin For someone to wash their own feet or to provide a servant to do this task for them. And Jesus has accepted that servanthood. Jesus has stepped into this humble role. And it's a radical, radical act of hospitality and humility. But Jesus has been doing this all along in his ministry. Serving those he loves, God's children. Jesus has been healing the sick and comforting those with losses, feeding the hungry, tending to the blind and the lame, championing the women and widows and orphans, having loved his own who are in the world, he loved them to the very end. And so he's chosen foot washing to represent his ministry So we have this visual of foot washing that Jesus has given the disciples, but he doesn't leave it there. He wants to show who he is and his relationship to God, and he wants that to be clear. He wanted no confusion. And so he explains to the disciples, this is the example that you are to emulate. But he wants to leave no doubt in their minds of what that means. What does it mean to emulate foot washing? He says... That he commands them to love one another. He describes it as a new commandment. Now love to the disciples was not new. This is something that was part of the Jewish tradition. As a matter of fact, the Shema is part of the Torah. Love God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. So the Jewish people knew about love. So Jesus chose his words carefully though. Because he was bringing to them a new commandment. What's new is what Jesus does for us. The incarnation wasn't intended to tell the Jews something that they already knew about love. But Jesus was testifying to God's love for them and for us. And he wanted the disciples to understand, to fully understand what it meant to to follow him and to be his example in the world. This love that Jesus is calling the disciples to is more than a simple act of kindness. Jesus was calling the disciples to love one another in relationship. And he was calling them to a love that requires sacrifice. He was calling them to give up their former lives for real life in Christ. But again, it's really simple to do uh, just a one-time act of kindness than act in love towards those whom we interact with every day. It's hard to maintain that persistent attitude of service and love towards those in community, especially in the ways that we frequently get angry with one another or how we annoy one another, or how we disagree with one another about anything and everything. And so what God is calling us to do through Jesus is a really difficult kind of love. This Lent I have been reading a devotional book called Good Enough. And in it this week, I came across a devotional that is really relevant for me in this um, text today. It's entitled, The Cost of Caring. And in that, the author talks about how a friend of hers is a nurse and had stepped away from actively treating others to teach and to train other nurses. But when the pandemic came about she felt called to go into service and go back to serving and caring for those in need. And in doing so, the hours were long. It was grueling, and it was taking a terrible toll on her with the amount of death that she was experiencing and the suffering that she saw. But she explained it, that caring has a cost. And it's a cost that is sacrificial. We have to give up part of our own soul in order to care for others. Caring does come with a cost. Love does come with a cost. Our charity costs us our greed. We have to give up our own greed in order to act in charity to one another. Hope costs us our satisfaction of cynicism. If we are to hope and to seek light, we have to give that up. And love costs us our selfishness. We have to give up our sense of self, our sense of of only going it alone. And this is what the love that Jesus is calling us to do, to be humble. And to be humble, it costs us our pride. It's a costly kind of love that Jesus is leading us to. Also, during Lent, I have been praying for something you may have heard me ask for many times, and that's patience. It's something I constantly work on. And as I was thinking about that, I came across a reflection on Facebook of a mother who has a child who is what she referred to as a barnacle. If you know what barnacles do, they cling. And so she was referring to her child as a clinging child who was always next to her. I think all parents can relate to that in some sense. While my child is outgoing and extroverted and really fairly independent, there are times when I feel he's all up in my business and I cannot get away and I can't do this and I can't do that because he's constantly questioning or all about me, me, me he is. And so just like the woman who was uh, reflection I was reading on Facebook I, I feel like he's stealing my time. But the, the writer of this reflection went on to say, she had looked at something by C.S. Lewis called the screw Tape Letters. I don't know if you've read the Screw Tape Letters, but in that, there's a part where C.S. Lewis speaks about the fallacy, the sin that we have, that we are the possessors of 24 hours in a day that we own our time and as this woman reflected upon this I thought "Uh uh-huh I see I see what's happening here the mirror was turned at me and I thought yes that's what I am indeed doing I think that my time is my own but in reality it's a gift and I am praying for the wrong thing now granted I still need to pray for patience but in this instance I'm praying for the wrong thing. Because I need to be praying to give up that belief. Because if I am going to love my son as I am called to love him, I have to give up that belief. Love is costly. But also, there are rewards. To enter into that love, then I begin to see my child as a giver of joy, not a taker of my time. Friends, this is the type of sacrifice that we are called to focus on. As we journey this week towards the cross, we are walking with one who knows that his time has come. We are with Jesus in his final hours, and he's speaking his final statements about who he is and what it means to him. He has that clarity and focus that that perspective can bring. He brings a simple message to us of love through humble service to one another. What will it cost you to love like Jesus? What do you need to leave in the grave with Jesus tomorrow? What is it you need to sacrifice? What is it you need to let go of? Because this is who we are called to be as disciples. We are called to love like Jesus does. And where that true love is, God is. So listen carefully to Jesus. Little children, I give you a new commandment. That you love each other. Love each other as I have loved you. Amen.